are listening to the podcast of Trinity Grace Church Williamsburg. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in Brooklyn. For more information on our church, please visit tgcwilliamsburg.com. Church, this video is an attempt to gather up our scattered community and give us a shared way of life and mission in the new reality that has been introduced to all of us by the spread of the coronavirus. What a strange time we're living in. We're in the midst of a global health uh, pandemic, and it has come quite fast to most of us, and all indications are that it's not going away quickly. And so as the church, the question that we should be asking is, how do we live? How do we live as the church in a time of crisis? And that's the question that I want to try to address. Now, externally, currently we're isolated. The safest way to live right now, both for myself and for the most vulnerable around me, is through social distancing. And isolation profoundly affects everything a community does. I mean, Sundays, kids' ministry, community groups, justice and mercy, prayer, all of it involves gathering together. And yet we're still the church. I mean, nothing about our mission changes, just the form that we live that mission in must change. And so how do we live the exact same mission in new forms that fit into these new constraints? But secondly, internally, the whole world is suddenly flooded with anxiety, fear, and self-interest. And I don't mean that as a criticism. Of course that's what people are feeling. That is the logical way to feel at a moment like this. But we're still the church. Nothing about our identity changes. So how do we live the same spirit-defined identity of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in a time like this? So I think we need to start by establishing a bit of common ground. I want to give you three observations. The first one is that this is an absolute tragedy. I mean, global suffering, that's what this is. And if I could change it all right now, if I could stop it, I absolutely would. So I am in no way trying to spin this into anything else than what it is. But I also do firmly believe that God takes what the enemy intends for evil and then uses it for good that he is and has always been building redemption out of the scattered, shattered pieces of the fall. So belief is looking back on history to see that God has been working redemption through the mess. That's what most of the scripture is. It is looking back at history through the vantage point of hindsight and seeing the fingerprints of God all over it. But faith is looking in the present moment and believing that God is doing that very same messy work of redemption even now in the blurry, incoherent present that I'm living in. So I've been thinking quite a bit lately of John chapter 9, of, which opens with the story where the disciples ask Jesus a question as they're passing beside a blind man. Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus responds, responds, neither. 
But the tragedy of this man's blindness, a consequence of the fall that God never intended, is now going to become the location for the glory of God. And then Jesus heals him. He, he picks up some shattered bits of the fall and, and makes something new. But the disciples, the crowds, the priests, even the man's own parents all missed what God was doing in the present moment. They were all distracted by concerns of what this means for the temple structure or their own social standing or their comfortable brand of cynicism. See, belief comes easier to us than faith because God is always more obvious in hindsight. But the call of the church is to be a people of faith that what God has done, God keeps on doing and is doing even now. Second observation, this is a massive disruption. I mean, even to those who are not infected or feel very little effect on their personal life from the coronavirus, this is still a massive disruption to the entire lifestyle that the Western world has gotten so used to. Professionally, socially, financially, simplicity is suddenly being forced on every last one of us. Lent is no longer an option for the devout. It is a mandate for the entire globe. And yet disruption is something that always makes me lean in. Because throughout history, God has always done his best work in the midst of disruption. Disruption to this life as we've come to know it, that is the one necessary condition for an accelerated work of the Spirit. When God takes a community a distance that normally it would, it would take years to travel in peacetime, and he takes them that distance just in a matter of weeks. The Bible is packed full of events that were global events that were highly political where the little minority of the church shines like a beacon of hope amidst a massive disruption. And lastly, I'll give you this observation, this will pass. I mean, sometime, maybe it'll be a few weeks from now, maybe a few months from now, maybe even a year or two from now, life will return to some semblance of normal. And on that day, this will have either been a pause when we together just sort of waited this thing out in isolation, or it will be an accelerated work when the church shined like hope in an unusually dark world. So the task of the moment that we're living in is don't miss God amidst the tragedy and the disruption. Because God is not only working when things get back to normal, God is especially working in the midst of horrific brokenness. Pete Gregg says the question that we should be asking of God is not why, but where. God doesn't shy away from pain and suffering and hardship. So in the midst of this pain, suffering, and hardship, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Can we perceive him in the present moment? Last Saturday, I was trying to do that very thing. I was trying to perceive God in this tragic moment of brokenness. And I was just asking, Father, can you just give me an anchor, a biblical anchor, some place that we can set down as a community and say, this will hold us in the midst of this storm, that this will sustain us. And I felt God guide me to Romans chapter 12, verses 12 through 16, which reads, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. These are biblical instructions for living as the church in a time of crisis. So let's break it down. Be joyful in hope. Hope is the belief that God is who he says he is. 
and that he, not the chaos of the world around me, is the defining reality. He is the sovereign and victorious one. So hope is the belief that all of Jesus' promises are for real and for now, and they're for me. Be joyful in hope, but then be patient in affliction. And this is where passion comes in. And I mean that Latin translation of the word passion that we often reference, the willing to suffer for kind of passion. Patient in affliction means a realistic view of resistance and a willingness to endure present trial, suffering, and hardship for the sake of that future hope coming about. So yeah, I believe Jesus' promises are for real and they're for now and they're for me. And I also believe that those promises are resisted. They are resisted by forces that I'm conscious and unconscious of at any particular moment. Now here's how we live between the tension of those two things. Be faithful in prayer. Have a daily rhythm of communion with God that makes his reality and his promises true within, in my inner world, before I can see them true without, in the outer world around me. And that turns my focus from the chaos of my inner life outward in love for others. A life turned outward in love then looks like everything the passage lists from there. Hospitality, suddenly everyone is my sister and brother. Blessing, those I oppose or those I am opposed by, I desire good things for. Mourning with those in despair as if their despair is my own. And rejoicing with those who are rejoicing as if their cause for joy was my own. A life turned outward in love is the antidote to a life caving in in anxiety and fear. And that passage concludes with this incredible, stunning image, live in harmony with one another. It's a picture of a choir or an orchestra. You know, a trumpet is beautiful on its own. I mean, it pierces the air like a war cry. And a cello is equally beautiful. It weeps melodically and creates an atmosphere. And yet the magic of instruments is that when they join together, when each is making its own sound, but it comes together to harmonize, then it creates a masterpiece. The church is the harmony of everyone playing their part. God is the composer who's directing the masterpiece. This is such a stunning image to close this passage because it's written from God's perspective. And it means that even when the church is scattered, the soundtrack of heaven can continue to play over the fallen world because God doesn't stop composing. His perspective never changes. And so whether we are gathered in one room together or we're scattered all over the place, when each, each and every one of us is playing their part, we harmonize to the tune of heaven on earth. There has never been a moment in my life when the world so desperately needed the church to be the church as it does in this current moment. Will we be the church, not just in peacetime, but in dire need? Will we live by faith to look for God amidst the blurry mess of the present? Will we live in harmony with one another in this unfamiliar territory? We are scattered, but God is still composing. So here are the step-by-step instructions that lead to that picture and cause it to leap off the pages of Scripture and into the life of the world around us. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and turn outward in love for others. 
So we, as a team, have completely restructured all of the norms of our community around those instructions to equip the scattered church to live in harmony even now. And Gemma's going to share all the specifics with you, but, but here's our new normal as a community from this point forward. We have three simple rhythms together, Sundays, prayer, and care. And so as the family of Trinity Grace Church Williamsburg, I'm asking every last one of you, wherever you are in the world, whatever external constraints you're feeling, whatever internal strife you're grappling with, commit yourself to these three rhythms, Sundays, prayer, and care. Because as I said before, this will pass. And normal, or some version of it anyway, will come back. And on that day, this massive disruption will be one of two things. It either will have been a pause, where we more or less took a break during a very strange time, or it will have been an accelerated work, when God did within us and through us what he could only do in a time of desperation, when our world desperately needed the church to be the church. You are the body of Christ And so I am calling you to rise to the occasion, to live by the audacity of hope in the midst of anxiety and fear, to live by patience that endures affliction, by prayer that sustains, and to turn outward in loving service that plays a better tune over a suffering world. Lord, Lord, will you help us to live in this time like we belong to you? Hi everyone, sending lots of love to all of you. I want to just share with you all of the practicalities around this new normal for us as a church, starting with Sundays. So starting this Sunday until further notice, we will be live streaming our gathering at 10.30 a.m. And access will be through our website on the top banner of our homepage. There will be a new link every week. During our gathering, we'll be having worship, prayer, teaching. There will also be an invitation to response and ministry. And then ministry will be taking place in community groups through Zoom video call directly after the live stream at 11.30 a.m. each Sunday. So community groups will be primarily engaging on Sundays um, in a way for us to have discussion, fellowship, and prayer after the live stream. Although groups may continue to meet midweek via video call if they want to. Leaders of the community groups will be sending out links to all members so that they can access the Zoom call for their group. If you are not currently in a community group and you would like to be, you would like to have um, consistent fellowship and support during this time, then on the health page on our website, you can go and click on joining a new open group and you will be able to have that same fellowship every Sunday. We also want to continue kids' ministry within the homes. So our children's ministry coordinator, Meg Yahashi, will be reaching out to all families with resources in order for you to continue doing kids' ministry curriculum at home with your kids. Let me just move on to prayer. So our prayer room um, currently remains open and it is being meticulously disinfected between each guest. So you can still sign up for a one-hour slot in the prayer room. 
Also, for a long time, we've engaged in a daily prayer rhythm as a church. And now more than ever, we want to continue that rhythm as a church praying morning, midday and evening together. We have updated our prayer app and you can download it on the website. Even if you previously downloaded it, you need to download it again because it's entirely new. Um, There's written and audio format to guide you through the same prayers at 7 a.m., 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. every day. And when the church is scattered, we want to be even more intentional about praying according to a shared clock and calendar. The app is also now more interactive, so you can see um, who who else is using the app live, who else has been using the app, and hopefully this will give us a sense of togetherness and feeling united at this time when our kind of collective voices are all echoing in heaven at the same time around the same themes. Let me now share for a moment about care. We want to care for our community and we also want to care for our city during this time. So we have developed a crisis care team who will be meeting the growing demands of those in our community who may be limited either by the infection of the coronavirus or because they're required to stay inside or because they are struggling financially. So we've created a short form on our website for you to fill out if you need to receive care. And that information will go to Meg, our ministry coordinator, who will then connect you to an available deacon from the crisis care team. So if you have a practical, financial or spiritual need, please fill out that form on the health page of our website. We are here to support you in whatever way we can at this time. Many of you have been asking how you can help provide needed care. Because information about the virus is changing so quickly, the safest current way to care is to give financially. So we have also a link on our health page to go to the Crisis Care Fund, and we'll be using that to support needs within our community and also our Justice and Mercy partners, many of whom are underfunded to meet the current needs and demands around the city. During this time, we also want to pray for people in our city who are forgotten. Some of our Justice and Mercy partners can use immediate help remotely, such as um, the New Sanctuary Coalition and Rikers Island Debate Project through the writing of letters. Um, Inmates are no longer um, allowed to have visitors, and there's going to be ways that we can engage in writing letters. Um, So we will keep you posted on all of those opportunities on our website. So for everything I have said in terms of practical logistics, please just go to tgcwilliamsburg.com slash health and you will find everything you need to know there. I want to just circle back for a moment to Sundays because particularly on this first Sunday, it is going to feel much less natural to sing worship on our couch with our spouse or with our roommates. But now more than ever, it's such an important time for us to be engaged in worship together. So Sam is going to come and just share with us a little bit of his heart for why worship is such such an important thing for us to be doing as a community at this time. Hello, everybody. Um, I hope this finds you all well, wherever you find yourselves, Um, whether that's social distancing um, or whether that's um, trying to keep a sense of sanity elsewhere, uh, wherever you find yourself. Just want to share a few um, thoughts just on on worship, um, just for a little bit of your time. 
Um, I've just been reflecting on, on King David recently, the last few days, as we find ourselves in this, in this new chapter. Um, and uh, it's interesting, you know, the more I read about him, the more we read about him in the scriptures, the more we, we see these moments um, where he would choose to worship when it, didn't, when it didn't make sense in these kind of counterintuitive moments when he preferred the presence of God over the situation he was in, whether he was in a valley and he was declaring that God was his, his faithful shepherd, or whether it was when he was he couldn't have been further from the throne room in which he was anointed to reign, and, and even the very men that had stuck by him had decided to reject him. In that moment, we read, David strengthened himself in the Lord. I love that. I love that truth, that this is a moment where we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord again, and, and that's what worship's really all about. You know, we might be social distancing right now, but God has never been a God of distance. He's never distanced himself from us, and when we worship, we remind our souls of that. We remind our souls of why we praise, why we worship, and, and I feel like this is an invitation right now to posture ourselves to praise in a new way um, you know again there's that story of David but but we, we we look a bit further back and we look at Moses who on the mountain said to God I, I won't go any further unless your presence goes with us because what else will distinguish us what else will distinguish us but the presence of God you know it might have been Paul and Silas when they found themselves in the, in the middle of the night in a cold jail and still they choose to praise and, and and then they see the chains break you know worship transforms things worship changes things when we worship we never we never leave the same you know, whether that's in our front rooms for the next few weeks or, or, or longer, maybe, we'll never leave the same. We, we never, it's very hard to spend time in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of God, and then, um, and then look back at our situation in the same perspective. Worship changes perspectives. Um, you know, whether that was Mary as she broke the jar of perfume in front of, of, of her Jesus' feet, you know, in front of a judgmental crowd, she preferred worship, she preferred the presence of God. You know, right now, we don't need any more fear-based information, um, but we do need more beauty, life, and joy, and, and, and the presence of God, and that's what this is about. I even found myself this morning uh, just reading through, um, just that Psalm, in Psalm 3, when we read um, that he's my shield. You know, God, you're my shield, you're my glory, you're the lifter of my head, and, and that's what we're doing, we're lifting our heads. When we worship, we're beholding him. You know, so if you, you know, we, we always become like the things we worship. So if we're, if we're, we're wanting peace today, let's behold the, the King of Peace, the God of Peace. If we're, if we're feeling trapped today, let's, let's proclaim the Father of Freedom over our lives again. If we're feeling lonely, you know, let's praise the God of Community. You know, he, he is going to be with us, and that's why we're going to continue as normal when we worship, when we praise. We're going to prioritize the presence of God that before anything else. Um, and so, yeah, whatever that looks like for you on Sunday, dial in uh, to the stream, and uh, let's worship as a family together. Let's prefer the presence of God. Let's lean to the Spirit of God. And um, lots of love. So let me now close us uh, in a word of prayer. Uh, prayer over you, wherever you may find yourself. And God of love, um, we remember that that is who you are. That you are a God of relentless love. And so God, when people are suffering, dying, confused, angry, we know that your heart is grieved. We know, God, that your heart is more broken over the current suffering in our world than any one of us could imagine or emulate. And so before we come to you with any request, we remember who you are. We remember the God that we're talking to. And I want to simply ask this, God, for the community of this church, that you would give us peace in place of anxiety, the peace that surpasses understanding. I ask, God, that you would give us courage in place of fear, 
not courage because we think we can well something up to take this on, but courage because we're confident in who you are, that you are our son and our shield, that you are our protector, our defender, our father, and our friend. And lastly, Lord, I want to pray that you would give us love that would swallow up self-interest, that we would be people that know what Jesus was talking about when he says, having loved you, I now love you to the end. And then on the final night of his life, gets down on his hands and knees to wash his disciples' feet and says, go and do likewise. Father, at this moment, um, I just pray that your church would learn the way of foot washing, that we would wash the feet of a hurting world, and that by turning outward in love, that we would actually discover both the humility and the profound victory of Jesus. So would you fill our inner being with all of that through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.